What does it feel to be human? You have blood running through your veins. You feel love, hate, strength, pain, life. So beautiful you're obsessed with it. Next moment, frustration drives you through the path of ending it. But life is beautiful. And so is the story behind survivals. I am a surviving human. Hello and welcome to the podcast, Surviving Humans. Early in April, I'm meeting with potential junior colleagues who have come to pitch an idea. One of them bears the facial expression of a rude, emotionless brute. Her voice is as harsh and bold as may be seen and heard from strong-willed women. She gets to impress me with the pitch. And as weeks roll by, this young lady, barely in her mid-twenties, shares bits of her survival story with me. She has survived a dysfunctional family, won late abortion, and battles for economic survival. On this episode, Yemisi shares her survival story in the boldest voice yet. So yeah, Missy, good to have you on the podcast. Yeah, it's really nice and it's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, you have all that glow. Uh, anyone would really doubt if you ever, ever, ever at any point had to go through the sort of hardship that you've um, highlighted in the course of our own that's personal why, discussions. That's why most of my friends find it difficult to give me money. <laughs> <laughs> Or, or let's let's say find you got to cut your soap. <laughs> so so let's take it up from what was it like growing up generally? Um, it wasn't really a nice experience, and um, it was terrible for me growing up because I I wanted mainly my mother's attention, and I grew up with guys because I had two other brothers, and then I have a younger sister. I think there is seven years or six years difference, age gap. So, um, our family, let me say, our family is quite a big one. So, I have different cousins, different nephews. I I remember you mentioned polygamous. How many wives? Um, I think my dad firstborn is roughly 70 years old. Ah. So, most of them, I I didn't know them. I don't know them. Okay. I haven't seen them before. So, I only know people from my mom's side. I only hear them. Okay, you, you all didn't cohabit in the same neighborhood? No, I said they're over 70. Most of them are not in this area at all. Oh, okay. Most of them didn't even, you know, just in their early 20s, they left here because my father was a teacher then. Okay. So, and then he served with the governor back in 1999. So, he had quite the money to send his kids and everything so that's it but but i think um it was i took it more from my side and it affected me more because um i'm a female child it was the same treatment i was getting my other brothers to god i realized that i think um three years ago that they were also facing the same challenges i i thought i was facing all alone and it was just about me so not until something came up and then my brothers had to just open up and i felt like really but 
they've been taking it well because they had other alternatives and mine was just um kind of harsh because i was so young and some of my childhood memories are things i really want to forget but you know you you made mention of your mom craving your mom's attention mm -hmm. at what point did you become socially aware to extend that i want i don't think i'm getting enough attention from this woman i want our attention at the age of five five when i was um <clears throat> at the age of five when I was getting sexually abused by a neighbor. That was it. And um so at five you were sexually abused. And um no, was it indecent torching or rape? No, it wasn't rape. It was indecent torture in my private area and it was happening every night. I think it went on and on. And the person kept on coming and um till now I don't know the person. It was always happening at night and there was absolutely nobody I could talk to about it. Your mom used to live with you at the time? Yeah, sure no. You all lived so how come how did that happen? Was it We are always in the sitting room. You know that that's still a bit vague to me. Okay. We're always in the sitting room and I just the person would just keep touching, touching, touching. And I I think because it's always at night, I fail to realize I fail to know that person's face and all. But, but you could sense that it wasn't somebody from within that house, which mm -hmm. was just a neighbor. So, did you at any point get to tell her? No. <clears throat> we were never close from the one, so I think I just decided to grow up like that without letting anybody know. Though, um, very few of my friends who were very close to me got to know about this later. Because um, I think it, it was affecting me at some point. So. And with some other things that happened, so we have a, a near graphic image of what your childhood was like De a little bit dejected, rejected, no attention as you would like. And then you also had to cope with sexual molestation, and you never had to talk about it with anyone. How did that, the whole molestation, what impact, overall impact, did it have on you? growing up until the stage of getting pregnant to be very honest i've i've never talked about this part with anybody it's really affected me so bad because there were a lot of bad things that was imprinted in my head and i just felt um if i had seen someone to talk to actually it might have changed my way of reasoning back then and then um i think when i got to ss1 i was this very brilliant girl in secondary school i represent my school very well and then well i didn't really have much friends that i'm very close to because i'm i'm wary of people i was then and a lot of things happened it just got to a point i i met a boy and then i liked him so i realized his cousin was in my class so I decided to get close to the cousin and that was when everything got that was the first wrong thing I did. Until now, it's still something I'm regretting ever meeting him. Because all through my SS2 and um, from SS1 rather to SX2 and everything, I was spending most of my time with him when I came back from school. They had that overall influence on you. Yeah, my way of reasoning everything. I started losing focus 
my studies. Many people wonder, okay, so if you didn't have a close relationship with your mom, uh, considering the situation of things, maybe she had a lot of things to do. How about your siblings? My brothers and I were never close. Oh, but there they... was no bond, and so they didn't know what was going on. To be honest, I don't blame them. They didn't know what was going on. Mm-hmm. And so, the whole influence and everything, and unfortunately... I get the picture that... Um, apologies for no, using no the word dysfunctional family. That you people do not talk. So, even if um, they were not physically present, there was no reason. You, you simply didn't see reason to tell them, this is how I feel. And they never had to ask you, how do you feel? They didn't know. That's, that's the only or, thing I Or you were, you were hiding it from them. Yes, because I knew how to mask my feelings very well. I think you've known me for a couple of weeks now, so you know. Mm. I can go from crying to, to doing something else. It's not because I'm bipolar, it's because... Right from while I was small, I knew how to hide from people a lot. So back to the story of when I got back to when I started spending most of my time with the guy and then eventually something led to something and I got pregnant. Oh, same guy or the cousin? <clears throat> the cousin was actually a leader. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. So I got pregnant and um, at a very tender age back then. How old were you then? I was 14. And you know, I said it earlier. I was spending so much time with the guy, and I I come home very late. My mom never cared at first to ask me. Then I think all of a sudden, I started becoming rebellious. I wanted her at that moment to still ask me where I was going to or where I go to and everything. But she does not. She does not even ask me. The only thing is when I know I get back by ten, she beats me. And you were just. In your early teenagers, 12, 14. Yeah. So she beats me. Have a look. I, I told you, I do have scars on my body to show signs of beatings over the year, which just thank God I have a good boy that kind of swallows scars a bit. So she beats me sometimes, and I got accustomed to the beatings. And all. So it was beating and not asking, Where have you been? It was just beating, don't mm-hmm. come back home later. Mm-hmm. Beating, stop coming back home later. Nothing. There was absolutely nothing. So, unfortunately for me, I got pregnant at 14 then. And I I don't know how my mom got to know. I was ready to get the baby back then. Unfortunately. I was taken to the hospital and I was injected. And for five, not for a week, I could, not, I could not stand up because I was in pain all through. Because my mom said no, it is the most I was finished. How did you, how did you, did you figure out that you were pregnant before? No. You had no idea that you were pregnant. Mm-hmm. She, she figured out first. Mm-hmm. So she took me to the hospital and the next thing is I'm about to. Unfortunately, the boy was shouting on me and he said, yeah. Supports my mom and blah blah blah. So that was the moment I figured I had no future with him anymore. So I decided to let them go. Though we still had over six, seven months relationship after that time, but I lost a lot of things then because I don't know how it happened. It went viral. I had an abortion. So I was supposed to be the head girl in my school, 
but the principal said no. So I couldn't come to school very well. I lost. I lost. You, you, you were in SS2. Yeah, I just, I just lost myself, and it wasn't really happening because you sure you do know now. People talk, so I think that was the first time I started getting depressed. But later on. I decided to just pick up myself because I needed to sit for an exam that needs to promote me into the next class. So, unfortunately, I didn't have parents till I left secondary school. I had the abortion and it was just for two weeks I didn't go to school. Okay. And I went back to school after two weeks and I decided to pick it up from where. How many months pregnant were you when I was you... six months. When your mom figured and then you had to abort? Yeah. Six months. That's almost. It wasn't showing. It was just six, like six months. Six months. Away. Six months is around the stage where the fetus is formed. Three, four months. When the fetus is formed, so it means you had to undergo cesarean section. No, I was injected, which made it led to me being in pain for a week. I had to push out the baby into dead baby. Abort a six-month-old pregnancy, a long silence engulfs the room. Yemisi struggles to hold her tears back. And like she said earlier, she masked the tears from dripping so well, but her emotions were vivid and the conversation sluggishly picks up again. How were you able to deal with that, uh, the things that followed? I was not myself because I, I, in fact, I don't know, the love I still wanted was not there, so, which was I said, it's like something I always regret, always, because the way my actions, I did it, I could have, I could have found a way of trying not to commit those bad things but at the same time i had nobody so from 14 you get to have this first time life experience and then you get to sit for that exam you move to ss3 and then you get to write work right yeah i wrote work and i wrote Neko. we track back a bit and Yemisi gets to tell me about a battle with depression. I have a friend then. Um, it was in the university in my hometown. And we were just we were just good friends. So he didn't know. He didn't know what really happened. But he knew something was wrong. So we do talk. And I was really, really comfortable with him. And that's it. But it still does not change the fact that I was still moving with bad people. So what happened that didn't stop me from moving with bad people? And the attention you craved it didn't happen. Didn't it was happen. It's later brought in much hatred. Much hatred. The discrimination of this child is a bad child. Mm -hmm. This child 
So moving on, your friend, your male friend from the university was the only one who Yeah, only free. about it. He was always checking on me and then we talk and all of those things and then he kept on encouraging me to to go to the university you no know, matter how much I'm old. I have a bright future, blah blah. No, but was there was there any gap between you having to into the university? Yes, from secondary school to the university. Um not really. But the first year I tried to jump, it went viral in the whole country where system was shutting down then. Okay. Yeah, so that was twenty sixteen. So yeah, I was part of the people that got affected. So I could not proceed to my youth seven. So twenty seventeen Okay, that same 2016, that was when I got pregnant. It was just... Um, 2016? Yeah. Again, I had to talk to a friend, a very close friend already, that I am pregnant. And he said, okay, at this time around, okay, you're keeping the pregnancy. Oh, you didn't tell the person that was uh, responsible? Um, it was the second person I called, to be honest, because it was just a one-time thing that happened, and boom, it led to one thing or the other. And I felt like, really? So I called him and he told me the same thing not to abort the baby. So I got motivated by these two people and I went ahead to kneel down. I was graveling, I was begging my mother. I, I first told my dad and surprisingly my dad took it well. But the only thing he made, he asked of me back then was that after having this baby, I should promise him I'll go back to school. And I told him yes, so he went and he spoke to my mom. I begged her and I kept the baby. I kept the pregnancy. And what was it like getting her to agree to you keeping the baby? I don't really know what my dad told her. Mm. But just knew she agreed, but it was um it wasn't really a good experience. I understand where she's coming from. Mm. A typical Nigerian woman. And you were how old? I was then? sixteen. 16, two years after the first one. Did she at any point realize that maybe she didn't put in enough effort into motherhood and then maybe hone up to responsibility? I don't know if she realized or not at that time. Okay, so you, prior, prior to this very moment, you've not had any conversation about it? No. Uh, no, it's, it, I think I've had it and that was the day I, I go hungry because of what she said to me. So... I felt for the first time I'm going to confront that. See, so after telling her those things, she felt bad, and so <laughs> now she didn't say anything. So that was the whole thing. I got pregnant, and I was trying to hustle to make ends meet. There were a couple of days I I went without eating. Yeah, you you, you mentioned that. Which is why I told you I love Coca Cola because. <laughs> Dracula was my companion. Hundred naira. Mm, for then, I think it was seventy naira or something. The only day, only mm -hmm. food for the mm -hmm. day, which is not actually food, but I'm just beverage. Yeah. Or just take Dracula. Sometimes I'll take Gary. No, was was it was, it, was it deliberate things deliberate to punish you? No, things were added in the family to be Okay, honest. okay. We were struggling in the family, to be very honest. So I I felt already I uh, I was a burden. I don't know, but I still think I am to some extent so i just wanted to relieve uh, some of the stress so i decided to 
sold myself out on food and everything. And then I had a couple of friends too who were very, very amazing and forever I will always be indebted. I will always be grateful. They give me food, try it and everything. So and I said I didn't go for antenna, I didn't go for scan, I didn't know the sex of the baby. I didn't know whether the baby was alright. But I just knew I was getting sick. I was getting sick every month and everything. A compelling and emotional tale. But it does not end there. The delivery of a baby is a story that would perhaps bring men of conscience to their knees. So when it was um, like two weeks to when I was going to deliver the baby, she took me to the to primary health center that I needed to register so that it won't become an issue when I'm when I'm in labor and all. Yeah. So at the long run, I I was already in labor around 7 p.m. No, I've been in labor a, a day before. Mm. And when it got to 7 p.m. the day I was supposed to deliver the baby, she had to go to someone to get everything we needed for the baby um, on credit. I remember, and I still remember, she only bought two clothes for my baby then. Yeah. So I had complications during my child, during the childbirth, and lived for roughly five hours. Yeah. I, I was too tight. So. I needed to have a tear for the baby to come out and after that I was stitched up and then I don't know what's up what happened to the nurse and everything so I just knew they needed to I just I gave a eleven yeah, that, that was a painful experience. It was and it's something I I'm happy I went through that to be honest. What's the happiness or the lesson derived? Mm, well look I I was unconscious all through. But I knew what was happening around me in the sense that the only person, I, I mean, two people were just on my mind. I didn't see my baby right after I gave birth to her. I didn't know the sex. But I, I could hear her sucking at home all through the five hours I was breathing. Mm. Yeah. So that alone, I was slipping into darkness. But hearing that sucking, you know, everywhere was silent. So hearing that alone was a motivation for me. And that's why I decided to name our God sense. Yeah. And then I was thinking about my dad. He lost his sight roughly 10 years ago. So I knew he was the only person at home. And I know uh, his, his hands were on the window, possibly crying and just alone. So at the same time, I was thinking about these two important people in my life at that moment. And that was enough motivation for me to be able to endure all the pain. I was given a lot and a lot of um painkillers and all but it got to a point it, you know for a human being and to be inside of me for five hours trying to bring her the placenta you should know that painkillers to some extent will not work anymore so i had to be transferred to another hospital where they eventually sorted the whole thing out and that was it so here we are and 11 days after after i during all the pains and everything 11 days after i needed to go to the show to type in my mom's cellar goods. She ran into a lot of death actually. Yeah. So I was told to take in, enough rest at the hospital, but because I was feeling indebted to my own mother, so 11 days after having the child, I went back to the market to type in our cellar goods and all. And then I was doing some minor, minor radio jobs all around to make sure I was getting some amount of money. And then I stopped eating our food um, roughly four years ago. And the reason was because after we go back from the hospital, each time she talks, she's always making sure I hear her when I'm eating the food she prepares and she'll be like, ah, muti work with sensei or eh, to be a mo, nyama, nyama, kum, something like that. So that really 
alone wasn't it wasn't really cool with me so i decided to just so even on christmas i, I don't eat our food on insta i don't eat our food sometimes i'm okay with snacks but i make sure my daughter eats very well and that has been happening for four years now i really eat our food your daughter resides yeah i still stay with my parents your dad is still alive i lost him last year yimsa's story does not end there oh you thought it did have you ever wondered what happened to the father of our daughter um the father of your daughter went one step by saying that you should keep the baby how supportive was it true that entire moment to be very honest it was not I think till date, the only thing for over five years now, because my baby will be five very soon, mm. for over five years now, the only amount of money that is between us is a thousand naira. Yeah. Just a thousand naira? Yeah, and then when it was coming to the hospital, it brought me 150 naira bread with, um, I think, chocolates and milk. I think. What was it doing then? It was a student too. Okay. But then I I told him I was ready to be supportive. I told him I was ready to get a job so that I could take care of the baby and all. I, the last time he saw the baby was when she was five days old. Oh, so you mean that for almost five years he hasn't come back? No. You have no idea where he is? No. Naturally? I call him, to mm. be honest. After some months, I started calling him. I started begging to see him. And there were days I would go to his place, I would be on my knees, I would be begging. And he would keep begging me back that I should just give him some time that we come back. That he knows he's offending me. And it was because I still care so much about him. And then, now I'm sorry, I don't give a damn. And. I think he was using that as an advantage so because he knew I was going to listen to him so it just got to a point and I felt like really I can't keep doing like this and I told him that the day I stopped calling him is the day you know it's over I don't care whoever it is you can't come back for the child because everybody can see vividly even so a couple of his friends actually talked to him and he told them the same thing he told me that I should just be patient and his friends who are now very good friend of mine were like i should just have beg forget it it got to a point that one of his friends decided to cut ties with him over the issue and the guy kept on coming to see me to see the baby and all so that's it so you still have a non-custom relationship with your mom you said you don't eat that food, you don't. Um, I can't really say. After giving birth to the child, I, I think that was the moment I, I realized she knew what she did wrong. Okay. Because right now she's trying to, in fact, she's been showing so much love and affection towards but, her. But you had already family. made that decision before you've told sense that maybe she had finally realized. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I had to work to make sure I paid all of the money she paid at the hospital back then. Yeah, I paid her back, so I knew there was nothing she could hold against me at all. And then there was the, there is this particular thing I don't think I will ever forget to. Um, the day my my daughter clocked a month old, that was January twenty seventeen. She was a month old and then i needed to go back to school because i told you i had issues with my jump the first year yeah, I took yeah, it. Yeah. so i wanted to go back to school and i wanted to attend the tutorial 
so that friend i mentioned earlier yeah. then while i was in secondary school and i was in the university mm. he came to see the baby and it was there so i went to meet my mom and the tutorial feedback then was 2500 so i just spoke to my mom to give me the money so i could go and she made this statement that you that you didn't pass when you were not pregnant how sure are you you can make it now that you have a baby in the presence of that my friend at that moment i'll be honest with you um that was when i started experiencing panic attacks and then and that was the moment i started having mental breakdown i was feeling extremely dejected and i was feeling too unloved by her so that my friend talk to me and all and everything so at night i went to meet my father he just received this pension money so he just gave me the money he didn't argue i've always been his favorite daughter actually so he gave me the money and i started tutorial the following day i faced a couple of challenges at the tutorial i had to bring my baby to the tutorial with me sometimes i need to leave the tutorial to go to breastfeed her she endures she she endures most of the time and everything so and people were talking at the tutorial. People were making jest of me. But at the end of the day, I had 247 in my jump. Mm -hmm. And I had 69 in my push to DMA. I wanted to go for long. Fortunately, the university I filled in could not give me law. They, they wanted 70%. And looking at the fact that I was an indigent, I don't know why. They didn't give me the law. Mm -hmm. So that was the moment I felt everything was against me. That I had nobody except God and my daughter. So it was... It was really an horrible experience but december 2017 i decided to go for another jump and see what happens and then that was when i gained the whole admission at all and then paying school fee became an issue paying my acceptance fee became an issue my father was in was um in his early hundreds mm. yeah so it was becoming an issue for me to pay and then one day my mom just said if i see somebody who is married and has money and ask me out i should please to go date the person because there is no way she's going to get 150,000 naira to pay my school fee. Don't forget, Yemisi gains admission into the university but has no sponsor or the funds to get in. She, at the time, had been advised by her mother to get into a relationship with married men or a rich aristocrat. The ones we get to know in Nigeria as Aristos or Sugar Daddies, who would have provided funds to sponsor education for a bodily prize. What does it feel to be human? You have blood running through your veins. You feel love, hate, strength, pain, life. So beautiful you're obsessed with it. Next moment, frustration drives you through the path of ending it. But life is beautiful. And so is the story behind survivals. I am a surviving human. This podcast is produced by Forte, exclusively for Forte. For reactions and other information, send us a DM via Twitter at Forte Ideas or on Facebook at Forte.
or send us an email on forteideas at gmail.com. You can check out other exciting shows in the works or RPR services on our website at www.forte.com. Thank you.